0: Hi, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Money Girl podcast. My name is Laura Adams. I'm a nationally recognized personal finance expert and author of multiple books and audiobooks. In addition to spending a lot of time on this podcast, I work as a spokesperson, speaker, and content creator to advance financial education and literacy. My mission is to make money easy to understand so you can take action, reach your goals, And ultimately, live rich and love the journey. You can learn more about me over at lauradadams.com. Today's show is for everyone who wants to hack your money management so you can get the job done faster and easier. I find that the busier I get, the more difficult it can be to stay on top of things. Maybe you can relate. Sometimes failing to do just a few basic things can prevent you from staying organized and improving your personal finances. So I've incorporated some tools and routines into my life that I'll share with you as I answer three questions about money management that I recently received. All right, let's get started with the questions. The first one comes from Patricia. She says, do you use a money management software or app that keeps you organized? Thanks, Patricia. I absolutely do. I've been using and recommending Intuit products, such as QuickBooks and Quicken, for literally as long as I can remember. Now, this is not an advertisement for Intuit, but I'm going to tell you, as far as I'm concerned, they're the gold standard in bookkeeping because they're just loaded with features. They're available for Windows or Mac, have endless reporting options, and offer mobile apps. QuickBooks is for small to medium-sized businesses. The desktop version ranges in price from $199 to $350. And there's also an online version that starts at $10 per month. I use the desktop version for Mac to keep track of multiple business accounts. Their other popular product is Quicken. This one is designed for personal or home and business use, and it starts at just $39. I also use Quicken for Mac for managing both my home accounts and another business account. There is not an online version of Quicken. However, Intuit owns the free web-based service called Mint. You may have heard of it. Mint is a terrific option for personal use if you don't mind being served ads that support the free platform. However, it is missing some advanced functionality that you will find in Quicken, like reports, tools for tax planning, and being able to upload receipts. All of these desktop and online products that I've mentioned allow you to import your bank and credit card transactions securely, so you've got up-to-the-minute balances for all your financial accounts in one place. As your transactions come in, the program assigns them categories like restaurant, clothing, or loan payment. Now, you can change the categories or even create new ones that are more descriptive. This is really what makes QuickBooks and Quicken so valuable, especially at tax time. Being able to quickly run reports showing totals for my rental property income home office expenses, business expenses, and charitable donations is amazing. Having accurate categories also makes it really easy to set and monitor a budget. For instance, let's say I go out to eat at one of my favorite restaurants and pay with a credit card, which is something I do all the time, by the way. The next time I open Quicken, my dining expense gets pulled in. If I've been to that restaurant before, Quicken remembers the merchant name and assigns it the same category as before, like restaurant. But let's say it's a new place that I've never been to. Quicken may call it something slightly different at first, like fast food. If I want to keep tabs on all of my dining out as one category called restaurant, it's easy to manually change the category from fast food to restaurant. Now I can easily see how much I've spent dining out by the day, week, month or quarter. I can view it in a budgeting tool or even print out a report. Using a financial program also makes it easy to catch fraudulent transactions right away. Recently, I was reviewing my transactions in Quicken and noticed a very large charge on my credit card that was not mine. I reported it the next day and my credit card company reversed the charge and issued me a card with a new number. Problem solved. So if you're not centralizing all your financial information yet into a program like Mint or Quicken, I strongly recommend that you give it a try. It's safe. It's either free or costs very little and saves huge amounts of time once you have it connected to your financial accounts. All right, moving on to question number two. This one comes from Stephanie. She says, in a recent podcast, you talked about the risk of using debit cards for certain types of purchases. Most of my transactions fall into the risky categories, especially shopping online. I'd like to use my credit card instead, but I also have a high-yield rewards checking account where I must meet a minimum number of debit transactions per month, among other qualifications. What's the best way to balance the risk of using a debit card with the rewards I get from the account? Thanks, Stephanie. That's a great question that I've actually never received before. Hey there. I want to tell you about one of my favorite podcasts, Freakonomics Radio. Every week, host and best-selling author Stephen Dubner dives into the hidden side of business, economics, and so much more. He interviews CEOs, historians, and Nobel laureates to explore all kinds of topics, like why the best employees can make the worst bosses and how whales went from being economic engines to environmental icons. If you're a curious person looking to better understand the world around you, you'll find everything you're looking for on Freakonomics Radio. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. The podcast Stephanie mentioned in her question is episode number 403, called Six Risky Situations When You Should Avoid Using a Debit Card. In that show, I discuss some of the worst places to use a debit card and recommend that you use a credit card instead. As she mentions, shopping online is one of the worst places to use a debit card. The reason you should limit debit card transactions is because they just offer much less legal and financial protection than a credit card. To learn a lot more, be sure to read or listen to that show. But the bottom line is that debit transactions make you more vulnerable to getting ripped off. Now, before I go further into the answer for Stephanie, I want to make sure you know what a high-yield rewards checking account is so you understand her dilemma. Right now, the average checking and savings account pays very little annual interest. You probably know. It's like less than a half of a percent. There are even savings accounts that offer one-tenth of a percent. That's a pittance. But Stephanie is a smart cookie. She's discovered rewards checking. These are typically free, no-fee accounts offered by smaller institutions that want to attract more deposits and revenue. To entice you to switch banks, they offer interest rates that could range from 2%, even up to 5%, like our sponsor, North Point Bank, putting regular accounts absolutely to shame. Now, unlike many regular savings and money market accounts that impose a minimum balance, rewards accounts generally come with a maximum. For instance, they might only pay high interest up to a certain balance, like 5,000 or 15,000, and have no minimum balance requirement. Amounts in a rewards account that exceed the maximum typically still earn interest, but it's at a lower competitive rate, such as 1%. However, some rewards accounts pay no interest on your entire balance if you do go over the cap, so be sure you understand the rules. As you can probably guess, these sweet rates come with strings attached. For starters, most rewards checking accounts require you to sign up for e-statements, receive at least one direct deposit per month, use online bill pay perhaps one time per month, and make 10 to 15 debit card transactions per month. When you conform to the rewards requirements, you help the bank cut costs and earn more income. In return, they're going to pay you the highest rate offered. But if you don't play by the rules, you'll only get the default rate, which could be something like that pitiful one-tenth of a percent that I previously mentioned. So Stephanie is wondering how to make enough debit transactions each month in order to qualify for the highest interest rate possible without jeopardizing her security. Okay, here's my answer, Stephanie. The safest way to use your debit card is with local merchants, such as a grocery, pharmacy, office supply, or clothing store, where the card never leaves your site during the transaction. Now, note that I did not include restaurants. That's because they typically do take your card out of sight, and that's where fraud frequently happens. Here's another tip to hack your rewards account. Get double duty out of each trip to a local store. Ask the clerk to charge you for one or two items first and then to ring up the remaining items in a second transaction. Clerks will probably just assume that you need a separate receipt for certain items because you're buying them for someone else or for a business. If you go to the grocery store once a week and you get two debit transactions from each trip, well, you've racked up eight for the month. You might only need a few more transactions to make the monthly quota. To make sure you have enough debit charges each month, make sure you understand the rules, some accounts do require you to charge at least a certain amount each month, like $500, that would prevent you from making 10 or 15 tiny transactions. So keep a sticky note on your debit card and jot down the date and the amount of each transaction so you make sure you get your quota in each month. And while you're getting those impressive rates from a rewards checking, consider also using it like a savings account. Keep as much of your extra cash in the account as possible so you maximize earnings. Using local merchants instead of online vendors certainly doesn't eliminate the risk of using a debit card. However, if you also watch your bank transactions carefully, you'll catch any fraudulent charges quickly. You can keep an eye on your finances using one of the programs like Mint or Quicken that I previously mentioned. Or you could sign up for email or text alerts through your rewards account that notify you every time a purchase is made. That way you'd know if someone was using your debit card number without your permission. All right, our final question comes from Brad. He says, I've heard about depositing a check by taking a picture of it with your phone. Is it safe? And what should you do with your paper checks after making an electronic deposit? Thanks for this question, Brad. I've been using my smartphone to deposit paper checks for years, and I'm still surprised by how many tech-savvy people I know who are not doing the same thing. I love this feature. I can't tell you how much time and energy it saves me. Most banking apps include functionality called Remote Deposit Capture. The app takes you step-by-step through the process. First, you endorse the back of your paper check with your signature, bank name, and account number. Then you snap photos of the front and the back of the check. You enter the amount of the check and verify the account where you want it deposited. And boom, you receive confirmation that your deposit was successful. Depending on your bank, the money may be available immediately or it could be pending for a short time before you can spend it. After you receive the app's deposit confirmation, you can either write the word void on the check and file it for future reference, or you can simply shred it. Mobile deposits are very safe. I've never had a situation where my paper money didn't make it into my account. You can view your account online right after making a remote deposit and actually see the funds sitting there for yourself. If you haven't used this feature yet, you really won't believe how easy it is. So the next time you're about to get in the car and drive to the bank to deposit a paper check, stop and let your mobile app do the work for you. If you're like Patricia, Stephanie, or Brad and have a money question or topic you'd like me to cover, there are many ways to reach me. I'll give you three. The first is Twitter. My handle is at Laura Adams, L-A-U-R-A-A-D-A-M-S with no space. The second is inside Dominate Your Debt, which is my private Facebook group. You can get an invitation by texting me right now. Just text GROUP400, that's GROUP400, to the number... 33444. And you can get in touch with me on my contact page at lauradadams.com. And while you're there, check out my tools page. You'll find over 40 of the best ways to earn more, save more, and accomplish a lot more with your money. And by the way, if you're not subscribed to the show yet, that's the easiest way to get each new episode as soon as it's released. If you're on Apple devices, the podcast app comes pre installed and it's really easy to use. It's the purple icon. Just open it up and search for Money Girl, then hit subscribe. More great free podcast apps that are available for both Apple and Android are Stitcher and SoundCloud. And a few Android users inside the Dominate Your Debt Facebook group have told me they also love Beyond Pod and Podcast Addict. Those are both free. And Pocket Casts is available for a few bucks in Google Play. Thanks so much for listening. That's all for now. I'll talk to you next week. Courtesy of Money Girl, your guide to a richer life.